to the Brand Rounds podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Ray Scott. On this podcast, we help private practice doctors grow their brand and their bottom line, use trust as their currency, amplify their reputation, and attract more ideal patients. We also help medical sales distributorships rework the traditional framework of their distributorship to gain entrepreneurial and financial freedom. My guest today is Dr. Scott Sigmund. He's an opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon, and he labels himself as a healer of knees and shoulders, left and right. He's the host of the popular The Ortho Show podcast. He is also the founding member of Ortho Laser an alternative treatment center for acute and chronic orthopedic conditions. Our topics include his number one tip to help private practice surgeons right now. What are medical technology companies not doing right now that they should be? For the non-surgeons listening to us, he describes the impact of opioids on our communities and our nation. We'll also talk about the pivot point an incident or a person that provided him with the curiosity and the courage to start OrthoLaser. Join me now as we interview Dr. Scott Sigmund. So this could be the most important question that I have for you, Dr. Sigmund. How does it feel to have the best fro on the podcasting scene? <laughs> I, I have a fantastic pride in that accomplishment. And, uh, I know you're all about, uh, about branding, right? And yes. so, so the fro has become not necessarily my personal, but it's actually become like a professional brand. It's, it's amazing. I will be walking around in large society meetings, which I hope we will have once again. Uh, I'm worried about that, but so I'll be walking around the academy and somebody will tap me on the shoulder and they'll just say, you know, hey, Dr. Sigmund, I really appreciate all you're doing on that opioid front. And I, I just want you to know that I'm following the front. <laughs> so, I love it. I think it is part of your persona. I really do. No, really, it really has become that. It, it's be, it's, and it was, it was sort of like a little bit of a joke at first. And then it just, it sort of caught on and then it almost becomes a part of who you are. And so I just can't cut it, man. I'm like, you know, I was, I was supposed to get it, uh, get the haircut done prior to the, uh, to the pandemic. I call it a fro reduction, but no fro reduction was done. So it's a little out of control right now. I actually had to wear a headband in the operating room today. Woo, I was back in the OR today. I was so excited. The first time back Congrats. in six weeks. Really great, great news there. But yeah, the fro is out of control and it's here to stay. That is great. So my next question is, how would you describe what you do on two fronts. One, as an orthopedic surgeon, and secondly, as a physician entrepreneur. So how would you describe what you do to my Scottish grandparents, Veen and Cordia, in a way that they might understand? All right, fantastic. So as an orthopedic surgeon, I've always strived to be the best that I can possibly be. And as I've matured in life and as I've grown more experience, I've focused on less things. So I've become a knee and shoulder specialist, yes, both left and right. But that's all I do. I don't do broken bones anymore. And I do, you know, relatively sophisticated operations. What I like to say is as well as anyone. So if I'm signing you up for surgery, 
you can be confident that I'm an absolute expert at what I'm doing, always inside of my wheelhouse, and always you know, providing the best possible state-of-the-art care. I would say I do about probably 70% of what I do is that. And then there's a few other things that I do. I'm, I'm definitely an innovative entrepreneurial spirit, always have been. Uh, and so I started my own uh, company called Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Center, which then uh, became a, a franchise model. The laser uh, distributor that, that basically sells the lasers loved my idea so much that we then decided to partner, and we've been we've been doing that. That's another super important part of what I do. But there's even more beyond that, which is to sort of give back. So I've spent so 25, 30 years of my life becoming this expert. I want to make sure that, that the next generation understands and, and take some of the ideas that I have and, and use them going forward. So I educate. I want to make sure that the opioid sparing things that I've perfected over the last seven to eight years are spread amongst all doctors to give them an opportunity. And in that way, grandma and grandpa, I'm actually helping patients that I've never met by improving the care that the doctors that listen to me and learn from me will provide for their patients. Fill in the blank. Podcasting for doctors is the new blank. Podcasting for doctors is the new, most unique and entertaining communication tool that we have. Or at least it should be. It should always be entertaining. That's what some of those doctor podcasts aren't entertaining. But we no longer have the opportunity to go for these large society meetings. We don't have the opportunity to meet with each other in person. So it's via LinkedIn and social media. And this podcasting thing, I'm on my fifth episode, and I can't thank you enough for having me you know, here, which is how we, got, how we met and, and got together. But mm-hmm. it's become such an important, fun avenue of communication for me. I thoroughly enjoy having the opportunity to, to have conversations and entertain people, but also get real quality information and be able to spread that to our listeners. It's a perfect segue into learning more about your podcast, The Ortho Show. What is it that we may not expect from the show? So it's called The Ortho Show, and that's where it originated from. My two producers, Mika Nichols and Ben Young, were involved in doing The Ortho Show for quite some time before I came on. They then uh, interviewed me. The the podcast did exceptionally well, and then they asked me to come on board as the host, and we've now uh, released five episodes, and we've agreed to stay on together indefinitely. And the premise of the Ortho Show was about educating, you know, consumers, patients, and, and doctors about orthopedic issues. But we feel at this point right now that we can spread out that demographic some more and really maybe reach out and, and communicate and pivot to other ideas still within the orthopedic space. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to talk about macrame, uh, but, but what we're going to do is we're going to talk to Gabby Reese who's a dear friend of mine, who we have spent significant time together mm-hmm. on our opioid sparing approach. And so Gabby underwent a total knee replacement, decided to do it opioid-free, and it was a real struggle for her. And she wants to spread the message that this opioid-free possibility is available now. So yes, we're going to talk to a Wonder Woman uh, supermodel, volleyball player, wife of the world's greatest surfer, Laird Hamilton. But we're also going to talk to her about some orthopedic stuff, but we're going to talk to her about all the other stuff that she's doing. 
We just got Andrew Kaplan, who I'm super excited about. I'm not sure if you know Andrew Kaplan. Anybody out there that's a big, big fan of fantasy football? Andrew yes, is absolutely. He's the number one NFL analyst for injuries for fantasy football. So Andrew's a guy I met when I went down to the Super Bowl and I was doing a, a, a media gig with Rod Woodson, who's an NFL Hall of Famer, and Solomon Wilcox. Yes. And, uh, and so Andrew was there. We just happened to meet by serendipity. So, yeah, he's an ortho- it's going to be about orthopedics, but it's going to be about NFL injuries. How cool is that? So it's not like we're just talking ACLs uh, or just talking rotator cuffs. We're going to pull in interesting anecdotes and stories that are on the periphery of orthopedics that will hopefully be things that people will find interesting and that increase our demographic so more people will listen. That's terrific. So as a fellow in the Royal College of Surgeons, how often do you hang out with Bono, and does he call you by your first name or doctor when you guys are hanging out at the Royal Lounge? Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be named, you know, Bono, I think he should probably call me the Fro, right? Yes, <laughs> that's, I love it. That's a natural. Uh, that's a great story. So yes, I'm a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, which is really quite an amazing honor. It was from my opioid sparing uh, uh, techniques and approaches. I was asked to to go to Dublin where I presented. They really liked what I had to say. And then I was sponsored and then went back this past July where I was honored with a dear friend of mine, Sean McMillan and Alejandro Badia from Miami, where we became fellows of the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. And just so you know, we did visit Bono's house because our driver is basically his uncle, apparently. And we knocked on the door and the housekeeper came out, but he wasn't home. (laughs) I love it. As somebody who has traveled around the world attending U2 concerts, and uh, I'm pretty sure that when they see somebody of my physical size who purchases a backyard pass with like a majestic silver beard, they're veering Bono to the side going, hey, this guy, look the other way. Do not make eye contact. So I appreciate your, your answer on that. You had mentioned ortholaser. Was there an incident or a patient or maybe even an innovative partner that provided you with a spark of curiosity to start ortholaser? So that's a great question. Um, there, Basically, I get approached because of my opioid sparing philosophy uh, by companies that have various alternative options for pain management. And uh, Ortholaser was brought to my attention by Orion Mooney, who is now my partner in Ortholaser. And he first got me excited about the concept and the idea, which then grew into you know, the Ortholaser franchise, which we are really excited about. I mean, as we advance now in this post-pandemic world, The surgical queue for the elderly is going to be quite long. It's going to be a very difficult time to get all of the joint replacements in line. So many patients are going to be seeking out ways in which their chronic pain can be treated. Younger patients are in their mid-40s and 50s who are considering surgery, who've been out of the workforce for upwards of eight weeks, uh, are not going to line up for surgery. They're going to be looking to get back in the workforce to be able to generate income for their family. So they're going to be looking for options that are available. So laser really fits well into that niche, and we're hoping that that's going to fill that void to be able to help patients uh, with their chronic pain going forward. I have some very exciting news. Crazy story, um, but I was able to get guidance from the FDA 
on the concept of using our uh, MLS-MA class 4 laser for pulmonary treatment for COVID disease. Interesting. So I, you know, if, uh, agreed, Matthew. It's really sort of a fascinating approach. And so I went to my local IRB to get approval for this, and they were concerned because they didn't really understand the lasers. And they said, we need FDA guidance. So my local... Uh, my, my local uh, research person from Lowell General Hospital basically called the FDA. Three hours later, he got a call back. Five days later, after multiple phone calls and emails, they gave us guidance that my laser was a non-significant risk laser, which meant that my local IRB could approve a first-of-its-kind laser trial in the United States for the treatment of COVID disease for pulmonary issues. It's unbelievable. Terrific. It's so interesting, so interesting. Now, we have non-surgeons listening to us. We'll have medical device leaders, sales, marketing, design engineers. Describe the impact of opioids in our communities and in our nation. So I'm going to give you three numbers, 6, 13, and 30. If I write a prescription for 24 hours to 100 patients, six of them are still on opioids at one year. If I write a 10-day prescription for uh, patients on opioids, 13 out of 100 will still be on opioids at one year. And if you write a 30-day supply, one-third of patients will still be on opioids at one year. Opioids are so incredibly addictive. At this moment in time, we do not have a test to be able to identify who those people are that will become addictive. So the best solution is to try to maintain opioid naivete, which means, quite simply, seek out a doctor that's going to practice opioid-sparing techniques so that you'll never have to take an opioid pill to ever find out if you're one of those people that will become addicted. What are some of your personal or professional goals that you can share with us? So, uh, personally, I try to be the best father I can be and the best husband. Fortunately, uh, my wife is as big of a social media influencer as I am, so she is a large, larger-than-life individual who moves around, and we support and, and love each other. Uh, professionally, uh, I always strive to be the best that I can be. I'm never satisfied with what I'm doing today. I always want to know, is there something better? Is there a different way in which we can push ourselves I always want to be at the circle of table of innovators. And I say mm -hmm. this always, there is always room at the table of innovators. Do not be scared. Do not be afraid. If you have a great idea, call someone that's at that table, and they're always going to have room for you. It's sometimes people are scared to try the next level or try a new idea because that super important person won't, won't listen. But at the end of the day, you know, pushing yourself to try new things, uh, really helps to change the world, and uh, and I'm very proud to be at that table, and whoever wants to sit next to me, come on board. Yeah, I love it. We all want to know, what is this whole Tufts Jumbos all about? So that's, that's an, so Tufts is part of the, the New England Small College Athletic Conference, and uh, it's it's made up of about seven or eight uh, highly regarded liberal arts colleges, and each one of them has the craziest names for their mascots. So Am Amherst Lord Jeffs, the Williams Purple Cows, and yes, we are the Tufts Jumbos. 
The reason for that is that P.T. Barnum of the Barnum and Bailey Circuses was one of the major uh, benefactors of Tufts in its earliest, earliest days. And Jumbo the Elephant was stuffed and given as a gift to Tufts University. All of that was fantastic until one day, the building in which Jumbo was housed burned down. The good news is we still have his tail. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, I knew a little bit about the history having lived in New England and haven't gone to school. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And what a great school Tufts is. What's your number one tip currently to help private practice surgeons right now? So I think we need to regroup and you really need to think about how your practice is going to be different as we come out of this pandemic. For any of you that are out there that think we're just going to turn the lights on, we're going to see 60 patients in a day and have 400 patients in our waiting room and just start cranking out two rooms of surgeries every day and working on weekends and nights, forget about it. That's just not what's going to happen. So we actually have, have sort of created a name for one of my partners, Dr. Steve Alter. And I, I made it up. It was sort of tongue-in-cheek. But I'm like, dude, you're the new CEO of our practice. You are the <laughs> chief emerging officer. So, so start figuring out what we're going to do. Telemedicine is here to stay, no question. It will never fully replace the physician-patient uh, relationship. We're going to want to talk to our patients. We're going to need to examine our patients. If I'm operating on you, you want to meet me. But do we really need to do a six-week follow-up you know, in person? Why not do it over telemedicine and save yourself three hours instead of coming in to see the doctor? Physical therapy is going to be done more in a platform in which we can monitor you at home with a digital platform so we can monitor your progress and still have good outcomes. So I would say... Really, in, in, in sort of in a nutshell, what you should be doing now is preparing for the new future. The way in which you practice medicine will clearly be different. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but it will be different. Plan ahead. What are medical technology companies not doing right now that they should be? They're doing their best. Medical device companies are doing their best to try and communicate to their doctors, but it's not easy right? I mean, there's no society meetings. You can't go to the doctor's office. You can't visit them in the operating room. Although today they had seven medical device reps at the surgery center today. It was like, I can it, imagine. Was, it was bro time. You know, it was like, oh my God, it's so good to see everybody. Secret handshake, right, 17 elbow, cookies on the el counter. Yeah. Elbows in the air. Everybody's going crazy. Everyone's so excited to actually get out of the house and see everybody. So that was awesome. So I think what they need to do is figure out a means of communication. How are you going to communicate your message to your end user? And the webinars that have been coming out have been terrific, and they've been trying hard there. But there's going to have to be another paradigm. It's going to have to be shifting even more. Like I used to do a significant number of medical device dinners. I'd fly around the country as a consultant for products that I truly believed in, and I would meet with doctors over a dinner and give a presentation, and we would hang out. I loved it. It was an exchange of ideas. I was meeting new people. Really, it was always a fascinating thing, and I really enjoyed doing it. Am I going to be able to do that going forwards? I don't know. Are we going to be doing virtual dinners? I don't know. So they need to start thinking outside the box. And, you know, a dear friend of mine, Beth Best, who is the, one of the marketing directors at, at Flexion Therapeutics, she's it's just amazing some of the ways and things in which people are thinking at this point, Matthew, about, like, outside the box is how you communicate. So that's the process. 
Get your marketing brains. Get a whiteboard. As Joe Mullings said, sit back, make yourself better as you come out of this pandemic. People that are acting proactively are going to be the ones that are going to have success. What book or documentary are you reading or watching that we should be doing as well? Oh, that's a great question. I'm not really a book reader, but what's the documentary that I just, I just watched the McDonald's documentary. I thought that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. That was really, really good about the fact that I, because I was buying those Big Macs and quarter pounders with cheese back then. I was really hoping I was going to win. <laughs> it's amazing to find out that I had really no chance, but also the way in which they were able to solve those crimes and, you know, find everybody and track it down. It was really, really a lot of fun. What is your favorite sound or noise? Oh, I hate noise. Oh, I yell at my kids all the time. I'm like, you're too loud. You're too noisy. (laughs) Uh, I like, you know, so for me, actually, it's headphones on with really relaxing music, you know, where it's literally you're in space, closing your eyes, you, you, you move away from reality. That's what I like, but I don't like the racket. What's going to be your first decadent treat that you provide yourself as the all clear sign emerges from COVID? I'm a car guy. I'll admit it. Love cars. You either are or you aren't. And I'll, you know, I got rid of one of my really nice cars literally like the month before. And it was so funny because my, my car guy that helps me out, we unloaded it and I got basically, I got to drive it for two years and it didn't cost me, you know, I really had no extra money to get out of it. It was great. I owed a lot of money, but I was able to walk away from it. And the car plummeted by 30%, literally for like mm. six weeks later. So that was the good news. I have my other car, which is coming up. So I'm going to get myself a really nice car and I'm going to drive it around and, and be happy. Two final questions for you. You've been generous with your time. Question number one, who was your dream podcast interview who would be my so i know what i i know who i would like to be the guest for <laughs> uh, that's fair enough okay i want to go rogan i want to go toe-to-toe with the big guy <laughs> you bet i think you would i think you would go toe-to-toe i think that before you guys press record you know he would get you in the muay thai gym you would show him what's up and then you'd earn his respect and then you guys would go into the studio. I can see it. I love it. I love it. That sounds fantastic. You listen to Joe. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. And then my final question is there tends to be a particular persona for medical technology. If you were to describe a persona, an archetype, or maybe even just a mindset of the ideal surgeon that might be interested in learning more about ortho laser. Describe that person to us. Innovative, entrepreneurial, thinking outside the box, looking for an opportunity in the setting of obstacles to move forward out of the pandemic. Yeah, great, concise answer. As someone who has a culinary background and who has a healthcare brand agency named Feed, I've got a bonus question, which is, what's your go-to COVID favorite food? <laughs> um, I, am a, I am a pressure cooker guy. And mm-hmm. uh, I like the pressure cooker and I like the air fryer attachment as well. 
And basically, I've got five boys in my house. So we're chowing down on chicken wings whenever we can. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Sivgan, I'm so glad that we were able to connect. I'm grateful for your time, and I find you very interesting. And I don't often get to say that. I don't mean that with any disrespect to previous guests or future guests. I think you're interesting. I think you have a distinct perspective. I think you are shaping your point of view. And I think that social media is enabling you to do that in a really creative and compliant way. I'm grateful that you've been a guest on the Brand Rounds podcast. Matthew, I can't thank you enough. This was one of the most interesting and fascinating uh, styles of podcast that I've ever been a part of. This was really terrific. I'm looking forward to the second one. <laughs> Bring it on, brother. 